together. Think with me just a brief moment, and then I'll pray. So, we just sang, Jesus, I need you every moment, and we say things like that, and, and I think we mean it. I, I, I believe we mean it. But I'm not sure that we act upon what we theoretically believe, maybe passionately believe, but we don't moment a moment. I'm looking at someone in the face, we're talking, I'm, I'm doing something, but, but my mind is not thinking, God, I, I need you right now in this conversation. I need you right now in the project I'm doing. I, I, I just force through it. So right now, in this moment, I want you to think in your mind, what do you, what do you need God to do for you these days? To give you hope? To give you courage? To calm you down? To rebuke you? To correct you? To forgive you? What do, what do you need God to do? And I want you to come up with a word. I mean, literally, in your head, come up with a word. I'll give you a couple more seconds. Come up with a word. And here's the beauty and the brilliance and the majesty and the broadness and the incomparable of our God that he hears all of us at the same time. While you were just singing praises to God, I was praying. And and, and, and God didn't say, hey, wait, I'm, I'm getting worship here. Wait! He hears us every moment. Jesus, we need you every moment. So I'm going to pray, and as I'm praying for us in this hour, I want you to tell God about what you need Him for in this moment. Ready? Here we go. God, right now there's a number of requests coming to you. And you didn't need me to, to tip you off. This was about to happen. All these declarations. Jesus, I need you for this. I need you for this. They're coming. And, and, and people I know and love are saying, God, help me. And I'm saying, God, that we collectively need you. We collectively need you to show us, show us how, how we can anticipate, not out of demand, but in deep faith. How can we anticipate that you're going to speak one way or the other to these needs. It might be absolutely yes, Lord, do it for you right now. It might be, no, you don't know what you're asking for. That would be the worst thing I could do for you right now. And you might be saying, e -E, I am going to fix this. I've already started fixing this for you, but I'm not going to do it the way you expect. I'm going to do it this way. And... But you hear our cries, and you will meet our needs. Maybe not when or the way we want. But I'm asking my request, my need, that you would help me and my mouth and my brain and my heart would be submissive to your brain and your words and your heart that these people would hear from you. Yeah. I would do my best to really get out of the way. And you would speak to all of us, speak yeah. to me, speak to all of us about how you meet our needs. Mm -hmm. I sort of kind of know where I think this passage is going this morning and, and teach us something about looking for you and listening for you in the scriptures and trusting you with deep, deep, deep faith. Hear our cries. Meet our needs. And would you show us this morning in Hebrews 
one of the many ways, maybe the primary way that you do that is when we hear you from your word. God, please. In this moment, in this hour, we need you to speak to our hearts, to make your word clear, to, to turn the light on. And we would say, ah, oh, I, I get it. God, make that happen for us today, please. In your name we ask. Amen. 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 Thank you. Maybe seated. And you heard me say, while we were talking to God, we're in the book of Hebrews. I want to really give you a lot of introduction, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, but then we will get to the primary text in chapter 4. In the announcements, the recommended resource for the day is that you would go on Right Now Media, the free-to-you church space of small feet, or not just our congregation, but anyone we give it to, and, 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 and see uh, our IT guy. we got an IT guy. <laughs> He don't he, he get no money. He don't stab. I'm the stab. Pay the one stab. I even pulled my own bulletins. How about that? We got an IG guy. And, and if you don't have access to Right Now Media, he can easily tell you how to do that. Go on Right Now Media. It's free. And uh, uh, just find the, uh, I think it's an introduction to Hebrews or how to read. Maybe it's that how to read. Hebrews, and it is uh, just perfect. Much better than what I'm going to do here quickly. So do that this afternoon or sometime, and, and this will even give you a fuller sense of how this book works. It's probably the Apostle Paul. It's remotely possible it could have been someone else. Doesn't matter. God is speaking to someone, and that someone is writing to the Hebrew people, Jewish people, who have professed Christ in Jesus as their Messiah. So we would call them in 21st century language, Messianic Jews. They're Jews, Jewish, but conventional, uh, this is not sarcasm, Old Testament Jews, Jesus ain't not Messiah. Those Jews have said, you Jewish people are crazy. And so here's these people that they have their traditions, they have their background, they have their history, but they really believe that Jesus is, is the one, the promised Messiah, the, the Christ, the anointed one. And so they're really like a people without a country. We're not comfortable with the Gentiles because they're crazy. And they're not as clean as we are. So they're wrestling with that cultural thing. They're not kosher in every sense of the word. But their Jewish community says, don't, don't, don't come to our house no more. You're dead to me. And here they are. And, and they love Jesus, but they're clinging to some Old Testament stuff because, well, that's who we are. And the writer is saying, yeah, that's who we were. And all of those were great pictures, God-given pictures, to get us to the Messiah. But now the Messiah is here, and, and you're so clinging to the pictures. You got the real deal. So, so, so let's, let's be, don't spit on your old pictures. But you got the real deal. And, and that's my oversimplification of, of Hebrews. Hebrews is all about showing that Jesus is superior to cherished Jewish stuff. Like the priesthood. Like, like the Passover. Like Aaron and Moses. And, and great stuff. 
biblical stuff that God gave. The New Testament is, is two-thirds of the Bible. So what are we? That's all trash now? It's not trash now. It wasn't trash then. But Jesus has come. And so that's the book of Hebrews. And I want you to I want you to catch if we want to build a case, build a case, build a case, and then right at the end, God help me not to spend all my time and we don't get to the point. It's it, I hope it just explodes for you in chapter four, which is not the end of the book, but it's the end of this this point that he's making early on. Okay? So let's go to work quickly. Chapter one, verse one, two, and three. Chapter one. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets and the angels and others as well. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Isn't it interesting, in the present tense, in these right now, last days, Paul says, we're in the last days, Paul says, in the first century, that God spoke to us through Jesus. Now, I, I don't know how you're reading and, and, and what happens in your head, but the least you can draw from verse 1 is that the last days began with Jesus. God has spoken to us in these last days through His Son. God spoke through the angels. God spoke with a voice from the sky. God spoke through the prophets. God spoke through miracles. But, but in these last days, God has spoken to us through the Son. Isn't that beautiful? The Son is the heir of all things. He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. The exact imprint of God's nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. I, I, I keep telling you, gravity works today because Jesus said, let gravity work today. Yeah. Well, Pastor, you're crazy. Well, then, then whoever wrote Hebrews 1 verse 3 is crazy. And if he's crazy, I hope I go insane. Yeah. Yeah. To get the, to make the point. There is no God made the world. He wound up the alarm clock, set on the desk. He's taking a nap, and and when it runs out of of of, of its wind, the alarm goes off. Oh, gotta wake up and do something. God is managing His creation, and by His speaking, by His speaking. Things came into existence, and by his speaking, they continue to work. Yeah. This is a big principle in these first three, four chapters. Yeah. Well, the whole Bible, by the way. That we trust God's speaking, directly or indirectly through others to us. Chapter 2. In chapter 2, in verse 1. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard. What we heard is what he said. What we hear is what, what God has said directly or through his son or through other prophets or through other means. But God is speaking. He even speaks through creation, Psalms said. We must pay closer attention to what we... Oh, Mark. Turn it on. We must pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. Any of you feel like you're drifting away? Not as close to Jesus as you once were? Not as close to Jesus as you know you need to be? 
Uh, we got to pay closer attention in verse 1, chapter 2. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, God speaks in times past through the angels. It was an angel who said to Mary, you're going to bear the Messiah. Since the message delivered by the angels declared, uh, uh, proved, proved to be reliable, every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How much more? How much more shall we pay attention? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation that was declared, that was spoken first by the Lord and then confirmed or attested to us by the apostles and others who saw the resurrected Jesus? If what an angel said was important enough, then if you rebel against it and, and, and ignore it and curse it, shut up, just angel. Well, back to verse 2 every transgression received a just retribution. How much more if when Jesus himself, self takes the flesh, comes to earth and speaks to us? And then we hear that message to the apostles and the apostles to others and ultimately we hear that and we read about the scriptures. If we ignore that, oh my goodness, how shall we escape if we neglect what has been delivered, declared, spoken to us? Yeah. You, you, you catching the pattern that the writer is making here, these opening statements? Look at chapter 3. Hebrews chapter Verse 1. Therefore, brethren, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider, consider, don't blow past this. God sent himself in the form of a son, his son, to tell us things. Jesus told the parable of this guy who had, had a, 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 a ranch, he had a farm, he had a business. And, and he lent it out to managers. He hired a manager, and the manager was crooked, and, and, and so he fired that manager. He had another overseer, and he fired that guy. He had another, another, and finally he sent his son, and then they killed his son. Do you see the parable? It's a pretty easy one to figure out. This is serious business. Ignoring the spoken word of God, the written word of God. And then ultimately rejecting the living word of God. This is serious business. Chapter 3. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him. Jesus did everything the Father sent him to do. He said everything the Father sent him to say. He was faithful. Chapter 3, verse 2. To God the Father who appointed him. Just like Moses. So he's setting up this this point of reference. Moses was faithful to give us what God said. And we, he would say, the Jewish community, the Jewish nation, we ignored it and we all died in the wilderness. That's the point he's making here in chapter 3. And now we got the same problem that, but we're not talking about Moses. We're talking about God himself in the flesh. His son has come Part of the Trinity has come and we killed him. That's the point he's making in chapter 3. 
And, and he begins what he's doing with the whole world. Jesus is better than this and this and this. All these Jewish things that we, we cling to. It's the Old Testament in condensed form. Jesus superior to all of it because all of it was portraying, predicting, prophesying him. I just want you to see the writer making the point, being inspired of God to say this. This is critical stuff, ignoring the words of God. This is serious business, ignoring the words of God. Look at verse 7, chapter 3 and verse 7. So the Holy Spirit said, there's another way that God speaks. The Holy Spirit said, if you are in this, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. We're showing that rebellion just a minute. Well, one expression of that rebellion. The Holy Spirit says, if you'll hear his voice, hear, open your heart, your ears, but listen with your heart, engage your mind. Do not harden your hearts as Israel did during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They left Egypt miraculously. They see the miracles. They cross the Red Sea. Bread is falling from the sky. Quail fly down every night. Just sit there and don't fly away and try to catch them. They have bread. They have meat. They're not slaves anymore. There's this rock that follows them around. And the one time he hit the rock because God said hit it, and water came out of the rock. And from now on they speak to the rock in prayer, and water comes. They've got bread, they've got meat, they've got water, they've got the presence of God. Cloud by day, fire by night. Wow! And still there's verse 8, this rebellion. Go a bit more, and I'll, I'll come back and, and speak to this rebellion. Look at verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. I love the arrangement of these words. Evil, unbelieving heart. We think evil is, oh, they're sexually perverted. Oh, they scam billions of, 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 of money, of dollars, out of, out of, of deceived investors. That's evil. And we pick our categories to apply that word evil. Well, the Bible says, let me tell you what's evil. An unbelieving heart. Wow. Now that's evil. Take care, brethren. The brethren is, you're Jewish. This is a Jewish audience he's writing to. And, and we call ourselves Christian. And I hope all of you have a... a, a a born again, a, a life-giving, eternal life-giving interaction with the living God. But America and the Western world, and it's not just the Western world anymore, it's, it's our sin is, is, is so we're taking the load that there's a lot of professing Christians and like here he says, beware brothers about an evil, unbelieving heart. Beware professing Christian about having an evil unbelieving heart. Beware members of Baptist churches that you don't find yourself with an evil, unbelieving heart that we hear, but we don't hear. We hear, but we don't hear. And that's what leads you to fall away from God. What's the solution? Well, 
part of the solution is verse 13. Yeah. So exhort one another every day, as long as you begin to call today, while you still have the day. Because there's coming the last day when today is over. Yeah. Jesus will return. Exhort everyone every day. That's discipleship. This is the calling of God on our lives. It's not because, okay, I, I, I know you're, you have to give up a, a night out, you know, so. Yeah, I, I can't give up my tennis lessons. I can't give up my time at the club. I can't give up my, my this. And, in fact, I'm doing good stuff. I, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for neighborhood kids. And I'm doing this stuff. And I'm, I'm working at the food pantry. And I'm doing, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing good stuff. But I'm a Christian guy. I'm, I'm doing great stuff. Well, you better be making some time routinely, daily, To exhort one another. Yeah. I really think I could preach just three weeks in a row just on verse 13. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, every day, there's got to be some input that someone says, Come on, man, come on, man. And I'm saying to someone else, Hey, come on, man, come on, girl, come on, come on. Exhort one another every day that none of you here comes may be hardened, hardened. Now, three or four times you've read the place, Don't harden your hearts, don't harden your hearts. I don't think anyone says, I'm going to harden my heart. I just decided, no, I'm going to harden my heart. No, quite the opposite. Why is Dave yelling at us? I'm in church. Don't yell at those people. <laughs> this is a letter written to professing Jewish Christians. Christians. Christ is our Savior. He's saying, careful that you harden your heart. I used to preach in the choir. Well, sometimes all the choir ain't born again. <laughs> Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be found with a hardened heart because of the deceitfulness, by the deceitfulness of sin. And you know what? That's deceptive. It's deceitful. It's, it's, it's half-truth. And, and half-truth turns to no truth when you add this. Yeah, I was never that much into it. This ain't working. Little by little, little doubt, little doubt. Little this, little that, little, little disappointment. God didn't come through for me the way I thought he would, the way I thought he should. And then, you know, it's not fair. And maybe, maybe these other skeptical people, maybe they got something. And, and it's just little by little by little, the deceitfulness of sin takes root and root, grows and grows and grows and grows. Before you know it, you don't have any lawn left. Oh, beyond the trees are dying because, because something has wrapped around it and choked it out. It's the deceitfulness of sin in our hearts. And it just grows and grows and it chokes us. And all the while, we think we're getting smarter. In fact, we're just being more deceived and we become spiritually blind. Let me give you a story about how that happened to Israel. Genesis, the book of beginnings, but, but Hebrew life as we know it best is encapsulated second half of Genesis in the Exodus 
Numbers in Deuteronomy are still that wilderness wandering. They're still in that era. It's in Deuteronomy duo two. This, this is the second time the law was given. The law was given early in Exodus. God is forming his family. We get through we get through the patriarchs, get through the flood, and, 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 and now, now it's it's Abraham and his sons, and that's that, that family becomes a nation, and God's people are coming together. It's, it's growing. But then that 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 nation winds up in Egyptian slavery. That's the best piece of, of Hebrew history, but pretty much everyone is familiar with. It's in Deuteronomy that there's a turning point. The law is given a second time because all of these people that came out of Egyptian slavery, now they're having their children, and those children are growing up. So you've got a bunch of 80-year-olds and a bunch of 40-year-olds. These were children, the 40-year-olds were children that were born during the years of walking around in circles in the wilderness. They've not yet arrived in the land of Canaan, the land of promise. So, Moses is still alive. He's an old man. He and Joshua and Caleb are in their 80s. And Moses says, I, I, I want to make sure the second generation doesn't make the same mistakes as our generation. And so Deuteronomy is a tremendous amount of repetition from a lot of stuff you see in, in, in the first books before it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You don't want to repeat it because let's, this second generation got to have a better shot. They can't make the same mistakes we made. That's oversimplification, but that's the essence of it. So out of all the things I can tell you about this rebellion, you saw that word talking about those 40 years. Hear this story in Numbers 13. Moses has sent these spies to go check out. Those words spies mean they were sneaking around and don't let see you. I mean, they were, they were walking around and, and they encountered people. In fact, they talked to the Amalekites and, and all the people that lived in what used to be their land, but they've been away from the land so long, other people have taken it, and now we're coming back to claim it. And they're saying, claim it? You ain't been around here for generations. You ain't claiming nothing. So Moses, go check out who's living on God's land that God has given to us way back to Abraham. Go, go check it out. Go find this out. And, and, and so spy is a secret sunglasses men in black kind of thing. Men in black, did you miss that reference? <laughs> Just wasn't funny? <laughs> it wasn't sneaking around like that. It was Go check it out. Go spy it out. Go look it over and bring us back a report. So I, I want to read a little bit to you. They brought back word to them. This is Numbers 13, I'm in verse 26. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit. We got evidence. And they said, we came to the land in which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. Look, here's the proof. However, however, 
you ever tell stories like that? And you're going on and on and on and on and on and on. Look, really, here's the fruit. It's amazing. It was beautiful. It was this. And, and we give all this preface, and then we say, but. And, and, and you just know, as soon as someone says that, okay, now the other shoe's about to fall. Or whatever phrase you use there. Oh, now, the real story. Yes, 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 yes. But. And we do that with God. I know God is love, and I know God says, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm a good Christian, I can't trust, I know the Bible. But you none of us know it as well as we think we do. Starting with me. We say all this stuff, and then we say, but, it's, it's, it's right here. The people, oh, there's, it's, that place is, is, it is, it is lush and fertile. There's water. The, the soil is perfect. It, it's it, sheep, cattle, corn, wheat, any kind of grain. You dig in the earth. There's iron. There's 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 minerals. Man, it is some kind of place. But the people who live there right now, they are strong. And their city, big walls, fortified. We, we, we can't we can't deal with that. We can't deal with those cities that are, that are fortified, they're large. And besides, there's some giants there. And, and, and there were these sons of Anak. The Amalekites, they live here. The Hittites, the Jebusites, they live there. We'd be surrounded. This is the reports of the twelve. Now two in that group of twelve were Joshua and Caleb. And while whoever was the self-appointed spokesman, beautiful, but we can't do this. We can't do this. Ken said, shut your mouth. That's my translation. Numbers 13, verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, let's go right now and get it. Ignore what he said. Strap on your sword and let's go right now and get it. We are able to overcome it. Not because we are well-trained soldiers. We will walk around circles in the wilderness for 40 years. We ain't well-trained nothing. But God has spoken. God has spoken. And that's always the key. What do you hear when God speaks? What do you see when God speaks? And do you say, yes, God said, God said, but... Now that changes everything? Well, you know, I know what God said, but... So, so don't say to me or out loud, but, but think through what kind of explanations of, we don't make excuses, we love Jesus. But what kind of explanations do you bring to God as to why he couldn't expect you to do anything for him? Because after all, I've got. I know that Canaan is beautiful, but the people. Caleb said, let's go right now. Let's go right now. The man who had gone up with him said, we're not able. We, we can't do that. We don't have enough swords. We don't have spears. We don't have chariots, of course. We're, we're not a trained military. We don't have any money. We, 
our little church couldn't do that. Well, if it was God's will, you could definitely do that. I don't, I don't feel the quick. I'm not sure I could do that. Well, I'm not staying here all that and wondering. <laughs> but if God has called you to do that, then you can absolutely yeah. do that. For instance, as you know my situation, you, here's, a, here's a woman. And, and right now, I have three or four women in my line who are right now, or have been in years past, part of this church, and they were married to just, I mean, demon-possessed, horrible men. I'm not even playing here. And I've seen those women cry and love and, and do their best to appease and to keep quiet and calm and they just keep loving and they just keep serving. And they say, well, see, that's not the American way. But the way that we draw people to the cross is not by convincing them intellectually or overpowering them emotionally, but by showing them the love of Jesus. And I've seen them do it, and I've watched them do it, and a couple of them, their husbands did come to faith, and the others are still praying that their husbands will. Yeah. Don't tell me you can't do hard things. Yeah. That's you and a lot of I think I met your wife, and I'm a little bit of your wife, and much of what I know about you. Now, your wife is based on what I know about you. <laughs> so when the scripture says, husbands, love your wife the way you nice in the church, I've seen it in my life. I probably do, but I'm happy to love But I know Jesus. Yeah. And the way Jesus loved me, when I'm cursing him, yeah. is the way you love your wife when she's cursing you. Yeah. I can do all things yeah. through Christ as he strengthens me. Yeah. I can. Parent in such a way that I don't provoke my children wrath. And my fear is like, I wish you learned it, but we grew up. <laughs> this, all of this is within our reach. Yeah. Not because we're amazing, because God is amazing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The last line in verse 33 says, Compared to them, we felt like grass, grasshoppers, and I'm sure they thought of us as being grasshoppers. We're nothing. What is the church compared to what's going on in the world these days? We have become a laughing stock. They felt like grasshoppers. I keep on saying grasshoppers. They felt like grasshoppers. And surely they see us as being grasshoppers. It doesn't matter how the world sees us. It doesn't matter how the world sees us. Everyone thought Jesus was a fraud. This wise guy named, wise guy, this wise man, named Gamaliel, gives an explanation in the opening chapters of the book of Acts. And so, what are we going to do? These people grow and grow there. And he says, look, look, if it's not of God, it'll fill out and go to nothing. Don't worry about it. If it is of God, no matter what we do, you're not going to stop it because it's of God. So leave it alone. If it's not of God, it'll run its course and die out. If it is of God, you want to get in the way of the work of God, you couldn't stop it if you tried. Well, there's an interesting approach to life. Because God is going to accomplish his purposes. I want to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to be sitting in a rocking chair about 50 more years from now. 
saying to my great-grandchildren, yeah, I could have been part of God's movement, but I didn't think it was going to happen. I missed it. Now I've spent all this time just setting the context. Let's now get to the point. Let's get, let's get to the point. That's in chapter 3. Well, we've got to read the last chapter 3. I'm sorry. Last chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. So who were these that heard and, and yet rebelled? Well, it's verse 16. It was all those who left Egypt led by Moses. All those. Now either that's uh, literally, technically, a 51%, and it's rounded up to all. Or it's virtually all, 98, 99%. And if you're using the 12 slides as an indicator, 12 came back, 12 went, 12 came back, and they all said the same thing. The difference is 10 said, so therefore, we can't do it. Only two, Joshua came and said, no, God has spoken, God has spoken, we can do it. So virtually, all of it is said, we can't do that. And therefore they did it, and therefore they all died, and none of them ever saw the land of promise. They never saw the land of promise. They never saw the land of promise. And these are covenant-keeping Jewish people. They never saw the land of promise. Who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Most of the word rebelled. It's a feminine for didn't believe. I'll show that again in just a moment. It's those who were left in Egypt. It's all those who, who left Egypt and, and, and they never got in. 17. With whom was he provoked 40 years? It was those who sinned. For 16, they rebelled. For 17, they sinned. They died in wilderness. 18. And who did he swear that they would not enter his rest? They don't enter the rest. They didn't get there. They didn't know the joy. There was no exhale. We're, we, we're home. No, no, no. They didn't get there. Those who were disobedient. Look at those three words. 16, rebelled. 17, sinned. 18, disobedient. And now the kicker for me is in verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of, what's the word? Unbelief. Catch this again. They rebelled. They sinned. They were disobedient. But the problem was their unbelief. They weren't smoking weed, sleeping around. That's not the problem. That's the manifestation of the problem. If you want to get rid of dandelions, you've got to dig it out of its roots. And the root of all of our sin is unbelief. But God's not going to give you that kind of pleasure. I've got to get my own pleasure my own way. God's not going to enable me to, to rise above my pressures and, and, and have sanity and peace. I, I, I need some chemical peace, whether it's legal or illegal. Now, you get careful what I'm saying. If you have a chemical imbalance, electrolyzer, or whack, go see a doctor who specializes in that and get yourself squared away. When you start using chemicals to escape, Oh, that's a completely different issue. We're not talking about physiological imbalance. You're talking about, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand. Don't God, don't do nothing for me. Right. Right. The problem is unbelief. you got a biological problem. Get it fixed. I'm all about medicine. Medicine works. But medicine is not an escape from reality. 
And here's the good news, verse 4, chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 1. So the promise of entering into his rest still stands, still open. The door has not been closed. God is still speaking. He's still calling. Come unto me, all you that labor and have your laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from your fears. Am I going to make it to heaven? Rest from, does God really actually love me? Can I have all my sins washed away, even me, all that I've done? Come, come. I'll give you rest. They're beautiful. Verse 2, the good news came to us. Back to preaching again. The spoken word. We heard the word. We read the book. We, we saw it in the movies. A friend explained to me how it happened to them. We came across the gospel somewhere. Verse 2, the good news came to us just as it came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. They heard what we heard. I'm taking you to a land of promise. I'm taking you to the place that I prepared for you. They didn't get there. Because of unbelief. Verse 2. Will you get there? The message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united to that message by faith. They heard it in their ears. They believed it in their brain. But it never moved from their brain to their spirit, their soul, their heart. Have you say that? Yes, this is true. This is life-changing hope for me. I'm embracing that and giving my life to pursuing that. Nah, that ain't gonna work. That's always the issue. America and the Western world is filled with people who know a lot of Christian stuff, but they don't know anything. They can quote verses and, 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 and give you some oversimplified, but at least the essence of the good news, the gospel. But they've never embraced it. They believe it intellectually, but it's too risky for them to put their lives in God's hand. And, and what if he goes to left and I'm trying to go right? So I'm going to hold on because I can't trust God really. have to run my own life. They heard the same message we hear. They didn't enter the land of promised rest, metaphorically or literally, because they had no faith. It was not mixed with belief. Belief is not academic. I believe that Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. My favorite one. That hasn't really changed my life at all. Believing in Jesus has radically changed my life. Because belief in Jesus is not just a historic fact. It's a life-changing encounter. Skip down finally to verse 11 of chapter 4. So we have to strive. We have to strive. I love to give the language. Strive to enter into rest. Because <laughs> you work in this. So you get some rest. But the work is going against your logic. There's a way to see what's right to a man. 
Was he in that way as the way of? There's two roads in the whole universe from Adam to the very end. One is wide and one is narrow. And I look at the wide way and said, that looks like an easier way. It looks like the most popular way. Everyone else is going that way. Can everybody be wrong? I'm going this way. That road leads to death. Faith says, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. He's setting you up. He's making it look good. He's going to set the hook and he's going to reel you in. Faith says, don't, don't, don't take the bait. Don't trust the easy way. Take this one. And we start. I want heaven, but that is so much more fun. And as if heaven is ugly, not ugly. You better strive to enter into that rest. So that no one may fall by the same sort of, and he's back to another list of words, disobedience, verse 11. Look how interchangeably he's using belief or unbelief with all these other words, sin, rebellion, disobedience. Pastor, why are you beating us up here this morning? I've, I've been born again. I put my faith in Jesus. Did you put your faith in Jesus? Or did you just repeat some prayer because someone told me if you say these magical words, Life will come into you and you will have heaven forever. And then you go back to your normal life. Just keep doing whatever you want in your life. But you got to say these magical words. There are no magical words. It's recognized that on my best day, I can't improve my... Oh, what a pastor, don't even go there. I, I got educated and I cleaned up my morals and I did this, I did this. Yeah, I got them. We, we, we can shine up the outside. And we do real good jobs of shining down to impress one another and to get better jobs and, and then to be more more adaptable to the culture and, and, and to do better in the world and to affect our bottom line. But it's three o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep and your spouse is, is fast asleep and you're even too ashamed to talk to her about what's going on inside of you or him. And it's just you and God now, and you're thinking, yeah, for all of my achievements, for all of my image, for all the way that I present, I know deep in my soul, I'm a train wreck. For whatever language you use, I'm empty, I'm short, I, 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 I have no peace, I don't sense that I'm any kind of home of rest. I don't mean the home where I sleep, I mean... This home, my life, my very being, there's an emptiness, there's a, there's a dissatisfaction, there's a discomfort, and it's traceable to God himself. Something's broken in me. I'm trying to figure out intellectually. Or I've even explored some, some metaphysical stuff. Something's missing. I've been to every church there is, got baptized 13 times. <laughs> every denomination there is. You have to work to enter this rest because the work is not getting there. The work is letting go of yourself. But you can now just, okay. Because once I let go of me, once I could try to run my life and have it my way, I've always liked Tony Bennett way more than Frank Sinatra, but I gotta tell you, I hate that song, My Way. 
It's work. But the work is to deny self. I can't save myself. I can't make myself acceptable to God. I can't clean myself up enough. We strive to enter into that rest so that no one falls on the same sort of disobedience. Finally, in verse 12, 13, we want to finish this thing. He's talking about faith, 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 faith. And then he jumps right back to talking about scripture and saying, Well, this kind of nowhere is he? Left hand doing what the opposite. What's he what's he talking about? Faith, faith, faith. Disobey, disobey because you don't believe, you don't believe, you don't believe. And then he says, Well, here's the scripture. Because it's the scripture that shows us ourselves. Yeah. And it's the scripture that shows us who he is. But it's not academic. The scriptures are not a collection of, of great philosophy. There's tremendous philosophy here, but it's not a philosophical book. The history of the figures after history. Is it a historical book? No, it's not a book of history. It's a book that discloses, that reveals God and his purposes for his creation, starting with mankind and the rest of the universe. It's about spiritual interaction between a holy God who is spirit and being and human beings who he gave all of us a spirit not like dogs and cats and horses in your favorite animal. I used to say they're definitely not in heaven because they don't have spirits. I think I've modified my position. Not that it really matters. If animals are in heaven, they're in, they're in heaven to do what they do for us here, especially in the western world. Oh, they're pets and we love them. Jesus didn't die for animals. That's right. Even catch this point, the technical point of Scripture. Satan and a third of the angels rebelled and went with him, and Jesus didn't become an angel and die to restore the angels. That's right. He didn't become a dog to save the dogs. He became a human being. That he might save us. Yeah. From our own unbelief. The drugs and the sex just, just they, they, they cover the issue. And they, oh, stop being so wicked and start going to church and, and go to heaven. As if moral, decent people who never got drunk and, and never were immoral, that therefore they're guaranteed heaven? You gotta fight yourself. Your self righteousness? Or the opposite end of the spectrum, you're going to fight, I've been so wicked, I'll never get into heaven. But getting into heaven has nothing to do with how morally good or how morally horrible you've been. It has everything to do with saying, God, on my best day, and clearly on my worst day, I am not worthy of your presence. Yeah. But your Son makes even me worthy. Yeah. That's the gospel. Yeah. You know how hard it is to believe that? You keep believing it when, like Peter, you fall back into your self-righteousness and self-protection and self-preservation. And God says, I'm right here still loving you. Yeah. Right here still loving you. Do you still believe in me? Do you still trust me? Yeah. He starts talking about the scriptures. And look at the scriptures. They are living and they are active. 
I, I read a lot in this wonderful job of mine. I read a lot. I read books about the scriptures and just to clear my head and do something different, I'll, 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 I'll read something about church structures, but it's not so heavy on the theological side. It's, it's, it, this makes sense to do it this way, not this way, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I read a lot, but I will tell you, nothing grips my soul and makes me weep and fall on my knees on the carpet in the office and say, oh God, help me. This is true about you and this is true about me. The word about it is alive. It's living. It's instant. I hear people talk about their favorite novel and I'm not going to mock them. I've I do so much of this kind of reading, I don't have hardly any time left for recreational reading. But I've, I've read a good book in my life. My mom was an English teacher and a librarian. She made sure I read some good books. And, and, and the, the storylines are great, and the, and, and the life lesson is impactful, but it doesn't grip my soul nearly as deeply as the word of it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it penetrates, it pierces, it gets down in there where no one knows but just me. Mom and Dad don't know, Karn don't know, it gets down deep in there. It says, I know what you got going on. That's the word of God. And these people that we're looking about in the early chapters of Hebrews, that word was spoken to them, and they believed it, but they didn't believe it. Yeah, we're going to go check out, and God said, but have you seen those people? You can't do that. <clears throat> so what are you throwing up to God? And say, okay, God, I believe in you, but you believe intellectually. If you believe down in your soul, you say, you know what, this was crazy, but God, you said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, because that's what you said. Here's my life. Here's my life. I give you this marriage. I give you these kids. I yell, I scream, I cry. We did this, we did that. God, I'm begging. God, please, do something for my son, for my daughter, for my grandchildren. God, please, come. It pierces. It's it's living. It's active. It pierces. Last night, verse 12. It discerns. It discerns. And when I say the Bible's not black and white, if you hear it, like, oh, what the Bible's vague? No, the Bible's not vague, but it is, it is broad. It is broad, and it's, it's not just giving facts. It's touching nerves and exposing attitudes. Because we have this amazing way to say something without really saying what I'm trying to say, but I don't want to say it. Like, like you're mad at someone, and you, and you just want to, you just want to verbally slice them to ribbons and, and, and curse them a little bit, maybe a lot along the process, because that'll give you a sense of, of power and authority over them. But what you know, you can't do that. You, you're not going to say that. So you you start with courteous, respectful innuendo. That's funny, but everyone, you know, he ain't kidding. He's, he, he wants us to think he's he's being funny. He ain't kidding. He hates me. He's ripping me up in front of everybody. 
And so when someone says, no, I, you didn't hear what I said. I said this. And they give you the precise word. Yeah, we get the precise word. But that's, we all know that's not what you meant. And the word you use, you use it in such a way that some of us are real good at that. It's a curse more than a blessing. Here's the beauty of the Bible. It'll nail that right away. You read the Bible, and the Bible says, you know, you do it, right? And I start arguing with the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, well, I don't do that. <laughs> really? Well, the Bible says the last line was 12, but when I read the Bible, the Word of God, it discerns, it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. He didn't just hear what you said. He knows what you mean by what you said, and not just what it sounds like you mean, he really knows deep down in the soul what you mean. When you quit playing around with God, just, well, look at the next verse, 13. No creature is hidden from the sight, but all are naked and exposed. Now, if that's the truth, why don't we just go ahead and do it? You know what, God, I'm, I'm done trying to play with you. I can't even deceive people well anymore. Seem like the only person I can really see was myself. So let me just emotionally get naked and say, you know what, God, I still love myself. I still hate those people. Still mad at you, God, because you know what's happening. What is it that you are so bad that you can't say? You think God doesn't know it? When I read the scriptures, all that comes out as if he. Hey, Dave, read the Bible. Let's, let's see what's going on in his heart. And, and, and I surprise God. Nothing surprises God. Naked and exposed. We are all naked and exposed before God. And if you be honest with yourself when you read the Bible, you start to see it yourself what God has already seen and has already known for a very long time. What on earth does this have to do with Israel leaving Egypt, not getting the land of promise, and making sure we don't fall into the same trap. Because we deceive ourselves. And the hope of deliverance for that is putting ourselves in the mirror of Scripture and getting naked before God because the Scripture has exposed us. And when you start to agree, God, you're right. You know this all along. I admit it. I am. And then start. Selfish, lazy, immoral. Uh, I, I am unethical. I am, I am, I, I, I have this great passion for recognition. I'm egotistical. And on and on and on and on it goes. Oh, no, I'm supposed to be a Christian. Ha! Stop! We have all this cultural stuff of them being Christian. Peter loved Jesus. But when push comes to shove, I don't know that guy. Now, what is there in you that that's still there? Right. You think you want to survive God? Right. That's fighting, fighting to interest. Strive to interest. Now, here are the scriptures. Or back to chapter 3. We start exhorting one another every day. Not with, oh, honey, you're, you're just wonderful. You can do this. No one does anything because they're wonderful. We do what we do because God's power is working in us. God's grace is working in us. Let's tell that to one another. You can do this because God is working in you. Yeah. You can forgive them. You can work past this. You will survive this scar. You can do this. 
because we're good motivators. Not because we just have positive thoughts. Stop! We can do what God has called us to do because He has called us to do that. I don't know if God has called me to hit the lottery. I do know He's called me to be content with such things as I have. That I can do. Because God has called me to do that. And on and on and on. I take the scriptures and I, I can do that. I, I can do that. I can forgive that. I can't keep smiling. I can't turn the other cheek. I can. If I can believe that Jesus left heaven, came to the earth, rose from the dead, all that for me, I can believe that too. I can believe that too. And you can too. I noticed this morning in my last review, I left completely the chapter. Verse, verse 14 out. Look at verse 14. Since, since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, let us hold fast our confession. I left off verse 14 for you. Since Jesus has done all this for us, and, as I, and since we really tried and we've learned, and, and we know this wonderful church, Pastor David said, make care of us. Not since you got this great pastor, but since the Word of God said, since the Word of God says, you can live this life. You can truly believe and be born of the Spirit. Have a second spiritual birth. Have a second birth, which is a spiritual birth. A new life. And you can begin to fight your sin. And there will be setbacks. You'll be walking with your feet and you'll fight your sin. And you'll see them start to fall. And they'll fall away and they'll fall away. And then you'll step back into it again because we're stupid. And we love the world more than we think we do. And then you'll grieve and you'll say, why do I keep doing this? And you'll get back on your spiritual feet and you'll believe God and you'll start growing and you'll start moving in the right direction because the Word of God is working in us. Yeah. Yeah. The Word of God is working in us. In Acts chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, we need to absorb one another every day. This is what the Bible says. Don't give in. This is what the Bible says. I love you, but you've got to stop doing that because this is what the Bible says. Why are you doing that? It's not helping you. That's hurting you in your Christian life. Stop doing that. Not because I'm the boss and I'll tell you what to do. No, because I want you to excel. And that's holding you back. That's discipleship. That's exhorting one another. That's the scriptures doing its work in our lives. So we get free from all of our logic and explanations. I can, I can, I can. And we trust his promises, not our logic. And we walk into this place of rest. Rest for today, his mercies are new every morning. Rest eternally, the final rest. Every day, moment by moment, ultimately in the end, we step into his rest. Because we quit listening to our own failed logic. And we actually started to believe the spoken, written, living Jesus, Word of God. That's what sets us free. Okay. Five minutes over. I'll pay it back in heaven. God wants us to be free. But you've got to work to get into this rest, this freedom. And if you're not working to get in, 
It's sin. It's not just foolish. It's sin. He gave all those words. Rebellion. Sin. Disobedience. Unbelief. In a world now, belief and joy and intimacy and truth, freedom, truth, rest. That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for me. My life, my marriage, my family, this congregation. That's what I want for us. And that's why Jesus came. Not just to give you more money and take away all your problems, but to give you his power and his peace in the midst of no money and a lot of problems. He said, wow, I didn't need my money after all. Because the money wouldn't fix that problem. Ain't no money going to fix this. You go to counselor, they're going to tell you to blame somebody else. Their fault. They've messed up your life. And that's largely true sometimes. But God's word says, yeah, but you can forgive that and, and, and not be messed up by it. What? That don't make sense. I'm here to tell you a whole bunch of the Bible doesn't make natural sense to me. But I've lived long enough and, and, and kicked the tires long enough to know this stuff works. This stuff works. I, I can't stop preaching. I gotta stop preaching. We go to church and we're not free. They were the covenant people of Israel. They never got into the land of promise. I don't know what heaven's gonna be like. But I can see myself running around making sure you all got there. But ain't none of us going to get there until we get these principles clear, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. It's not repeating a prayer. It's not getting baptized. I think we should talk to God and confess our sins and ask Him to save us. I think when that happens, we should get baptized. But those two things are, are not the big difference. The difference is that day by day, in and out, one time and for every time, day by day, moment by moment, say, God, I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. You are the Lord of my life. We gotta say it. We, 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 we gotta say it. So we're singing is let your peace, all this rest that I'm talking about, let that peace reign, reign. Not R A I N R E I G N. Be authoritative over my soul. Seven. Thank <laughs> you.